welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We are in our series called Multiply Disruption. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed going through the book of Haggai. It's perfect for our church right now. The Lord is speaking to us. And it's just been a fun book to go through. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know when the last time you heard a sermon from Haggai was. So it's been great to just go through this book and, and these different sermons and, and hear God's voice and, and try to obey it. And so we've talked about a few things here. We've talked about disrupting your dreams. We've talked about disrupting your priority. We've talked about disrupting your doubts. And today we're talking about disrupt, disrupting your understanding. And we're talking about multiplying disruption, about allowing God to shake things up, about allowing God to disrupt some things, to help us see more clearly, to help us see better. And so as we talk about understanding today, here's the, here's the, here's the thing with understanding. We all think we have a lot more of it than we actually do. The reality is we're, we're all operating with partial information. We don't have the full picture. So, so a great part about hearing God is getting more of the picture. But we tend to make, uh, we tend to make sweeping theories based on our observations. And, and so, uh, when we talk about this global pandemic, I'm reading this book called The Black Swan right now, and it talks about black swan type events that are anomalies, that are once in a lifetime, that change the course of history. And, and in this book, he talks about how you can't foresee these types of events, really. They, they happen because if you could foresee them, they wouldn't have happened. So the global pandemic is one of these things. 9-11 would be an example of that as well. Uh, because if we foresaw that happening, we would have done something to prevent it from taking place. So when these events happen, they change things for us. And, and so just think about this pandemic right now and partial understanding. Guys, in the midst of it, we've been in this for a year. And in the middle of this, we're all really operating with partial understanding, with partial information. I mean, think about it. All we really know about this thing is what they tell us is what you read on the news, is what you read in articles, what you hear uh, from others, uh, what you hear from people's experiences. It's all partial information, right? And it's the best we have to go with. But the issue is when we have partial information, a lot of times we, may, we tend to make sweeping generalizations. That's the problem of induction. It's, it's, it's saying, oh, well, this is true here, so it must be true here, right? This little piece of information is right here, so now it's an absolute truth. But with, with partial information, the problem of induction is we can't actually have that absolute truth because we don't have all the information, right? And so when we talk about our understanding and we talk about this society and what we're in, as David Brooks says, we are information rich and we are meaning poor, right? Meaning that uh, we have, we, th so there's a paradox here because 
we all operate on this confirmation bias, right? Where the more information we have, the more it confirms our biases. We just have that tendency. All of us do. And you may say, I don't have it, but you do have it. Now, it's good to recognize that tendency so then you can, can see more broadly so that you can fight against it. But uh, our natural tendency is to, is to be confirmed in our biases. So what that means is the more information we have, actually the less understanding we have. Because the more information we have, the more it entrenches us in our original position, deeper and deeper, instead of, instead of giving us a more well-rounded understanding. Now, I'm talking about this because the Bible talks about this, and it says this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, knowledge puffs up, but love, it builds up. So information and knowledge, they sit and they swell, right? Meaning and love, they run and they revolutionize. They change things. They change the way we act. They change the way we think. They, they change our mentality, our attitude. And so when we talk uh, now, when we think about the traditional church and where Trinity Life Church is going, uh, the point of today is to disrupt our understanding of that. Now, we all come in, we all have a confirmation bias, we all are operating with partial information, and, and we're trying to hear God because He has the absolute truth, right? So we're trying to hear Him and obey Him. And right now in the midst of this pandemic, when things are being disrupted, we're saying, God, how do you take the church that we currently operate in as Trinity Life, in a, in a Christian tradition, and in some traditionalism, and how do, you, how do we allow you to disrupt that? How do we hear your voice and obey it in this time? Where do you want us to go? Where are you taking us? And here's the key idea I want you to take from today that is specific to us as a church, as the church, is this. The church isn't a container. It's a catalyst. The church is not a container for us to to gather and stay here and to, and to uh, keep contained. The church was meant to be a catalyst to push us out, to live the mission of God, to go forward, to bless the nations. That's from the beginning, to live out this cultural mandate, to be fruitful, to multiply, to be a vehicle for the Messiah. We are jars of clay, Paul says, to carry this mystery of the gospel to the ends of the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says in Acts 1-8, to be, to be his disciples who go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The church wasn't meant to be a container, guys. It was meant to be a catalyst. But the traditional church has become a container. And so this, so today, I want to disrupt your understanding of that a bit because just think about your, your terminology. It's, it's, hey, are you going to church? Hey, I went to church. Hey, I, I, uh, there's church attendance, right? We're, we're talking about going to something. We're talking about going to a container. And we can say all we want, guys, that we want you to be out there in the world. But when we bring you in and say, hey, come to our religious services and let's contain you here so that we can disciple you here, well, we're just feeding into this container mentality. Guys, the church, like I've said in the past, 
Like my, my, one of my spiritual fathers says, he says, uh, Bob says this, he says, the church is the missionary. Each one of us, not the church, Trinity Life Church, but us, the people who make up the church, not the church building. That's why we don't have a church building, guys. We are the missionaries where we are in our workplaces, all around our city, all around our world, in your neighborhoods, wherever you go, you carry the light and the love of Christ Jesus, that is the mission of God. You are that. You are a catalyst in those areas of influence where God has placed you. And today I wanna give you that understanding. I wanna give you that so that uh, your, your other understanding is disrupted so that you live in a different way. So look at, look at verse 10 here in, in uh, Haggai chapter two. He says, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or of any kind of food, does it become holy? So what he's asking there is if you have something that is holy and it touches something else, is that holiness communicable? Does it transfer? The priest answered, and they said, no. Then Haggai said, well, if someone who is unclean, by contact with a dead body, something that's unclean, touches any of these, does it become unclean? So is uncleanness, uncleanliness, unholiness here, is that communicable? And the priest answered, it does become unclean. Yes, it is communicable. So you see here, there's two, there's two questions here that are kind of foils of one another, uh, talking about holiness. And, and the, the unholiness one, the, the, the unclean one, talks about uncleanliness as as a virus almost, as a disease, as, a, as something that's communicable. Like you just touch, well then now that thing, that whole thing is also, it <clears throat> is also uh, unclean. And holiness though, it doesn't work that way. Holiness requires a deeper transformation. Right? You can't just communicate holiness or transfer holiness by, by touch because it requires something deeper. It requires a transformative process, some transformation. And you might say, well, yeah, I, I, agree, with, I agree with that statement. Cognitively, I agree with that. But do you live it? Do you practice it? Because let me ask you this. How many of you think that reading the Bible makes you more holy? How many of you think that going to church makes you more holy? How many of you think that you can be more righteous, more holy by doing good deeds? How many of you think if you just pray more and spend more time with God, you'll be more holy? And you may say, well, no, I don't think I believe that. But then ask yourself, well, why do you do those things? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you spend time with the church? 
why do you pray? Why, or, or maybe the better question is, why do you feel like you should? Because maybe you don't do those things, but maybe you still feel like you should do those things. So why do you feel like you should do those things? Why do you try to be a good person and keep on failing? Do you know that holiness, it's not about getting rid of your sin. You may say, oh, then, (laughs) guys, today, I'm hopefully disrupting your understanding here of holiness. Because those things aren't, they don't attribute holiness to you. Me reading my Bible doesn't attribute holiness to me. Me preaching to you right now and speaking to you about the Bible, that doesn't make me holy. Doesn't make me more holy or more righteous. Praying does not make me more holy. And you're like, oh, wait, what is holiness? And like, I thought, I thought those things made me more like Jesus because it, it made me sinless or things. Guys, Holiness isn't about getting rid of your sin. That's not the Christian faith. Your Christian faith isn't, how do I sin less and get rid of my sin? Your life in your walk with Jesus should not be focused on your sin. Holiness is about dealing with your sin in a totally different way. Because holiness does deal with sin. But you can't focus on your sin. Holiness is, is, is not focusing on your sin. It's focusing on your Savior. That makes all the difference. He says, be holy as I am holy. You be holy as God is holy. That is your identity in Christ. He is holy. You are holy. So be that as he is. He says, I am that. That's that's who I am. It's not what I do, God says. And we rest in that in Christ. We are holy in him. This is why Paul talks about, he says this, he says, you're already sanctified. And we say, oh, I'm being sanctified. And yes, there's, there's a process of that here. But don't get caught up in in the process of getting rid of your sin. Remember your identity in Christ is you are already holy. You're already set apart. You're already made clean. And so operating out of that is different than operating for that. Stop striving to be more holy and just be more holy. That's why you read your Bible, because you're operating out of your holiness. That's why you pray, because you're operating out of your holiness. That's why you sin less. Because you're operating out of your already received holiness in Christ Jesus. The priests, the the people here of God, they're not getting that yet. They're not fully understanding that yet. So I had guys preparing them for what's to come. And he says here uh, in verse 14, and notice the absence of the pronoun my again. Haggai answers and says, so it is with this people, not my people, you remember he's speaking on the Lord's behalf, and with this nation, not my nation, before me declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands. So basically, they're unclean. And so it is, he says, that what they're touching, remember they're rebuilding the temple here where the presence of God is going to dwell. Whatever they're touching here is becoming unclean. Okay? They're communicating that disease, that virus. 
In verse 15, he says, Now they consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. But one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. So you're seeing there, there's not blessed there, that blessing is not there. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, and you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. See, there's a distancing here. The people, there's a gap here. Guys, God didn't distance himself. He didn't create this gap. The people did in their unholiness and their uncleanliness. They made the distance because they didn't turn to him. They chose not to turn their hearts to the Lord. And, and God says that here. He says, all you have to do is turn to me. All you have to do is recognize who you are, that you are the people of God and turn your hearts towards me. And they didn't. And so he said, well, I tried these other things and it still didn't work. And yet you did not turn to me, he says. See, holiness requires this deeper, this deep transformation here. And so they created this gap. And you can see here in this passage that, guys, it can look like you're living on mission. It can look like you have everything in order. It can look like you have things in the right place. You can look great on the outside, but on the inside, where it matters, you can be broken, decrepit, dilapidated, unclean, unredeemed. You can go through all the motions, guys. You can serve with the church, you can give money, you can look great on the outside, you can wear your suit, you can do all those things they do in the traditional church, right? We can be that type of church, but if we aren't following the Lord, if our hearts aren't turned towards Him, if we're not hearing and obeying Him, and guys, on the inside, it's totally unclean. We're just like the Pharisees who are worried about cleaning the outside of the cup when Jesus says, why are you cleaning the outside? You don't drink from the outside. You drink from the inside. And for some of you guys, the pandemic has revealed some of those internal wounds and hurts and, and sin and uncleanliness where you haven't yet turned to the Lord. And some of you guys, you're, you're seeing that in your marriage right now. Your marriage is, is, is uh, like a fight, right? like a boxing match. You're seeing that at work, you hate your job and work is just too much or you're seeing that in your, in your studies. Why am I studying this, this in this degree program? Why am I paying this money to go to this university when I'm online? Why, you know, all, all, these, all these things that are coming up with, with your kids, you're like, why am I struggling with raising my kids as disciples of Jesus? You know, I mean, all, all kinds of things, guys, where, where maybe what's been happening is as the church has operated as a container, we haven't done a good job of catalyzing you. We haven't done a good job of disrupting your understanding to say, you weren't just meant to gather here. You weren't just meant to come to church. You're meant to be catalyzed for the kingdom. You're meant to live your faith in all aspects of your life. We, and the church has done a great job, the traditional, the traditional church, of containing your faith in this one hour, in this two hours, at these, at these gatherings, at these meetings. But guys, all of our gatherings at Trinity Life Church, especially as we move forward in, in a new form, they're all designed to 
catalyze us for the kingdom. They're all designed to say, how do you take your faith in your workplace? How do you take your faith in your neighborhood? How do you take your faith to your kids? How do you take it to your spouse? How do you take it to your friends and your family and, and to this lost and dying world that is information rich, but meaning poor? And they're just searching for truth. And they're all, uh, they're all confused by this problem of induction. But we have deduction from the scriptures because we're operating off of God's observations and God's uh, ideas. And we, can, and we can move forward in, in, this, in this truth that sets people free. And here in Haggai, he's trying to give that to them. He's trying to give them this truth. And guys, I think sometimes we're too afraid to allow God to do this. We're comfortable in the container. It's cozy. It's warm. We know where the walls are. When we step out of that, it's a brave new world. We don't know what's going to happen. The possibilities are, are endless. Right? There's, there's infinite possibilities. And we're just comfortable in the container. We like it here. You know, we want to stay in this, in this box. But remember, it's not, it, it's about the inner transformation of your heart. Think about Matthew 19 and the rich ruler, this rich man who, who approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, I've done all these commandments. He looks good on the outside, guys. He's wearing the right clothes. He's doing the right commandments. Do not, do not, do not do this. And Jesus says, well, here's one more thing for you. Go and sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And immediately the guy walks away sorrowful. He looks great on the outside. Jesus goes directly to his heart, and the guy's heart is not ready. I always wonder in that passage if the man had said yes, I'll do that. If Jesus would have stopped him and said, I don't actually need you to do that. Now I know I have your heart. He does it with Abraham and Isaac. He says, hey, Abraham, go give up and sacrifice your only son, the son of promise. And Abraham just does it. He doesn't walk away sad. He walks towards the sacrifice. And he's about to do it, and God says, stop. Now I know I have your heart. And guys, so many of us are fearful of doing the thing or God asking us to do the thing that, that uh, we feel like we don't want to do. And that's, that's evidence that God doesn't have your heart. That's evidence that, that your heart is sharing the throne, uh, that God is sharing the throne of your heart with something else. Because if you just said yes, he might say, okay, you don't, you don't actually have to do that. Now I know I have your heart. Now let's do this. Let's do this thing. Or he might say, yeah. You might say yes, and he might say, okay, let's do this. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to push you forward. We're, we're going to go do this together. Because in Isaiah, he says, if you're willing and obedient, you will 
eat of the good of the land. You'll know God's presence and his rest and his goodness and his shalom and his peace. You'll know those things. Do you want those things? If you want those things, say yes to God because all uh, uh, all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus. Guys, this church, our church, Trinity Life Church, is built on yes. It's built on missing us saying yes. God, we will give all that up. We will follow you because we want to go wherever you want us to go. We want to do whatever you want us to do. And we will say yes. And guys, let me tell you, it's been the most difficult eight years of my life, but it's been the most amazing blessed, joyful, uh, peaceful, shalom, and like peace. Remember peace from a couple weeks ago? Not serenity peace, but like, like just, just God's true peace that transcends all understanding. And it's been an amazing journey because we said yes. And so say yes to God. Here he's, he's saying, just turn back to me, guys. The church wasn't meant to be a container. It was meant to be a catalyst. So when we look at the, the last verses here in verse 18 and 19, there's this forward movement. He says, consider from this day onward. Guys, this is a new day. This is a new age. The foundation has been laid. And it doesn't look that way yet because you see here, he says, consider from this day onward. Since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is a seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, fig tree, pomegranate, olive tree have yielded nothing. So it's not quite there yet, but, but these, this last phrase, from this day on, I will bless you. Guys, God is not going to bless our church if we just stay stuck in the past. He's not going to bless any church like that who just stays stuck and isn't hearing and moving in the gale of the Holy Spirit and just listening to God and obeying God. We're just going to be stuck. This book here is all about movement. It's coming back from exile. It's turning to the Lord. It's recentering our priorities. It's God shaking things up. It's going forward and onward. And, and, and we want our church to, to do that as well. Here's a quote from Yaroslav Pelikan. He says this. He's a theologian. He says, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So guys, we're not getting rid of tradition and the mission of God here, right? That's the living faith of those who have come before us, of all those saints. But we're saying, God, what is, what is hindering us in our traditionalism? What is not causing us to run? We want to cast aside those things to run, lay aside every weight and every hindrance which, things with, which clings so closely to us that we may run with endurance uh, as Jesus did for the joy that was set before him, and he endured the cross. He sacrificed, right? Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Oh. And then he says this, traditionalism supposes that nothing should ever be done for the first time. Guys, what we're moving into as a church, it's the first for us. We're, 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 push, we're, we're moving forward in God's mission. Our vision is the same. Our, our mission is the same. We're still 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants. We're still moving forward in that vision. We're still on mission for God, discovering identity, destiny, Christ, influencing our city and the world. We're still doing all that. But the form is shifting a bit on us. 
we're saying God disrupt this. The traditionalism, we're saying God, you 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 just you disrupt that if you want to disrupt that. And as you've seen from our brief history that Miss and I have been giving you, we've always been a church that would rather take a bold risk of faith that has the potential of of danger and death than actualize our death by doing nothing. We'll never be that church. We're always gonna try something. I heard this quote the other day, the sooner we can make, the sooner we make a choice, the sooner we can make an adjustment. And our church has been one of course corrections and making adjustments along the way because that's what hearing God and a journey of faith is like. And here's the thing, guys. I heard this from a Trappist monk. He says, you can't fully understand God, but you can fully love God. So we're not seeking more knowledge and information to puff us up here. We're not seeking more understanding of what God wants for us necessarily. We're just trying to love him with all that we are. Our heart, our soul, our mind and strength as individuals, as the church. And we can't fully understand what God is doing right now, but we can fully love and trust him and move with him because the church wasn't meant to be a container. It was meant to be a catalyst. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this word. Push us forward as a church. Help us to hear you clearly. Speak to all of us that we would come together in unity and discern your voice together. And Jesus, thank you for your example in that. Thank you for your example in that with your disciples as well. So continue to build us up and equip us for your glory. We pray in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.